Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFura, and alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. And Brandon, start spreading the news. The Red Sox swept today. L.J. was a part of it. In New York, New York. Well, welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 100 of MLB Daily. Thank you to those who have stuck around through all the episodes. Uh, I don't know why you have, but if, if you want to, you know, if, if you enjoy it enough, uh, feel free to stick around. But we're currently recording this very late we just got back from the yankees red sox game on sunday night baseball we had fantastic seats for the game in my opinion Mm -hmm. like i'm think that sitting in the outfield is kind of the move from now on i don't know about you but i loved the seats tonight yeah you know honestly like if i had to think of my favorite seats i've ever had i think first off they've all been all somehow been this year that that come to mind um all right, no, maybe. Um, behind 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 plate at Tampa is a great mm. spot, but that's kind of like you know the tra- traditional. Down by Pesky Pole that o- that opening week might be my favorite non behind the plate. 
I feel like but, that would be a really cool when it's full capacity because it's like rowdy down there. Yeah, it was it, it it was pretty nice when it wasn't even full capacity. Back when we were at twelve percent, it was a very fun time out there. And the angles when you're in those like corner outfields is just different. It hits different. Like it's a totally different look at the game. You you kind of almost feel more like you're there because like you're just low enough that you feel like you're like almost on the same plane as the players like at Fenway and right field you literally are like if you're in the first row you're on the same level as the right fielder so like you Mm -hmm. feel like you're actually in the game you're facing again in the same angle as them so it's just a very different experience and tonight me and you uh, our seats we were in section 132 uh, row four so that is the left field foul pole the section right next to it uh in fair territory uh lj i'd say we were pretty close to a home run huh very very close let's get into this away close yeah let's get into this recap to break this down before we start getting into too many surprise details so scoring of course we'll start in this game with a hot top of the first where you see Alex Verdugo send a piss missile to right center field to start off this game. And then in the bottom of the first, a Gary Sanchez double brings two in. And this is a 2-1 Yankees lead coming out of the first inning. Aaron Judge would drive in a run to extend this to a 3-1 game in the fourth. But then the Red Sox come firing back on one swing. Hunter Renfro gets on. And all of a sudden, we've got Marwin Gonzalez up at the plate. 0-1 count. And Marwin Gonzalez slams a piss missile to dead left field. It, it, was, it was an absolute moonshot. It was, it was quite high. I wasn't it was convinced. so high. It was so high. I wasn't convinced it was, was going to get out when it was first hit. But anyway, it comes out, and it comes out a row in front of us two seats down from me and that ties up the ball game now on the top the eighth we've got christian arroyo on base and xander bogarts is able to hit a sacrifice fly that'll score him it is now 4-3 boston then we get into the top of the or bottom of the ninth we've got runners on with matt barnes uh, on excuse me into pitch and Brandon, I complained about this a lot tonight. With the way that Yankee Stadium is built, the end of left field is much shallower than left center. So for some reason, I honestly genuinely feel like people are overthinking it in the fact that they're like, okay, let's have the left fielder play in left center so they can get to all of these balls that they might be not be able to get to if they're having to get around the wall and stuff by playing a true left field. So both Andujar and more so Verdugo played basically in left center for the entire game. And it came back to bite the Red Sox here as Glaber Torres is able to rope a double into left field, which ends up hitting the wall because Alex Verdugo had to make his way all the way over to the ball in the area that he probably should have been playing to begin with. I mean, we were both talking about this 
the majority of what happens after this in the game doesn't happen if they're in a normal defensive alignment. Anyway, this makes this a 4-4 ball game, and we will go into extras. Top of the eighth, and the Red Sox get two runners on. They move them over to third and second with a nice, nice bunt. And then a single by Xander Bogarts into center field scores both of them, making this a 6-4 ball game. Tyler Wade tries his best to drive some runs in, but Boston ultimately wins this one 6-5. Give the win to Matt Barnes. He, of course, pitched that ninth inning, blows the save, but ends up coming back around without the loss. Garrett Richards goes five innings, allowing three earned runs and six strikeouts. The loss goes to Luis Sessa, and Domingo Herman started this one going five and two-thirds, three hits, one earned run, and the save will go to Phillips Valdez. All right, uh, so I'll give a bit of my reaction to the game. Uh, this is my first uh, MLB game that I was able to attend this year. I was at uh, – Syracuse Mets AAA game in early May, but uh, yeah, this was the real deal. You know, Sunday night baseball, LJ and I both very excited, been talking about this game for a while. Uh, we're able to go down and look, Domingo Herman, who, you know, this is a big start for him. It's his prime time. This is, you know, so the Yankees don't get swept. I mean, Essentially, what I was saying, season on the line, but it, 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 it's early to say stuff like that. But, you know, just me being very, I don't even know what the, what the just, just uh, using hyperbole, just very, you know. Anyways, he goes five and two thirds, three hits, like LJ said, only strikes out three, but really didn't allow a lot of hard contact, it seemed, all night. Yeah. The only real bad pitch he made was the pitch to Alex Verdugo that gets hit out of the park in the first inning which you know I it was a fantastic start from him I couldn't ask for more what I do question though gets taken out at 84 pitches LJ with the way he was going like we didn't even realize it I like just looked when I was on Twitter a couple minutes ago we really pulled him with 84 pitches like he was cruising no yeah, you know, he walked that one batter, but yeah, I forget. It was just the one batter. There wasn't a man on third. Because I got tripped. Yeah, because he, he made it one out into the sixth. That's right. No, so he made it he, two outs into the sixth. Okay, so Santana flew out, Verdugo flew out, and then he walked Bogarts. And then okay, they yeah, because but, I remember there, if you remember, Brandon, there was that one time I got tripped up because the third base coach was inexplicably standing on third base for a while. Yes. And I had no clue. I'm like, all right, we got runners on first and third. And then I'll look in the third bit, the runner on third had disappeared. And I was just aghast. Well, um, the, the Yankees get out of that situation. Cause we bring in Lucas Lickey to face uh, Raphael Devers and he strikes him out. Yes. Uh, nasty LJ. You got to go back and watch the, uh, center field camera view like the the broadcast view of that pitch it was a filthy breaking ball Rafi was like it I don't know if it, it was very close to a strike it broke so much that I think the ump had to call it a strike but it's certainly not the worst call that was in this game no I mean again calls are calls yeah calls are calls 
the Red Sox were the better oh, team. Yeah. Tonight. I will certainly say that. Uh, to finish up my recap real quick. But the question, the question is to me, yeah, you're right. I mean, I know, I know one of the things you're big on is don't chase stats. However, the reason these stats are there is because they're darn good mile markers for game management. And a quality start is a really good mile marker for game management. If you've got 84 pitches, a runner on, and you're not like losing, and this guy's been lights out, like he's got three, three hits all night, 84 pitches, one man on two outs in the sixth, and you pull him. What's the point of it? You know, also it's like at the same time. So the Yankees are winning, right? Three to one. The worst case scenario is that a Devers hits a game tying home run. Okay. But that was a guy who you already got out. He went over five tonight. Like he, he didn't get a hit. He didn't get on base. That's a guy that you'd already gotten out. So I don't know. It's, you know, you have to pick your battles because people would be on Boone also if he left him in. Like, he, people never think about the other side. Uh, so, I don't know. And well, in people terms are, people of the are always going to be on Boone until he's out of that job right now. So, yeah, but it's, it's not even him. There's so much, there's, people just don't understand the amount of overarching reach the front office has over in-game management's over so much stuff that you would think that it would be in charge of Aaron Boone, but it's not. It's just very sophisticated, very high-tech. But, yeah, let's talk about this call in the bottom of the ninth. So Matt Barnes comes in in a save situation, uh, pitching for his third day in a row, even though uh, yesterday doesn't really count. He only faced one batter or whatever night that was. He only faced one yeah, batter. Six pitches. <laughs> and – you know, LJ, I think my quote to you prior to the ninth inning, I said, or it was like eighth inning because it was Chris Gittens, Frazier, and then Andujar. And I said, one of them needs to get a hit to flip the lineup over or we are not winning this game. Yeah. Uh, Clint Frazier gets a hit. Andujar strikes out, so there's two outs. This is still the bottom of the eighth. Brett Gardner is supposed to hit, and instead, uh, Giancarlo Stanton comes in and pinch hits, strikes out. Uh, now, two for 31 in his career as a pinch hitter. Red Sox, uh, of course, do nothing. Top nine, the Yankees use Chapman. Bottom nine, bring in Barnes in a save situation. It goes DJ ground out, big j- walk for Aaron Judge. Uh, and then uh, the Gleyber Torres double that ties the game, like LJ and I were talking about uh, with Alex Verdugo, uh, you know, playing in pretty much left center field. Then uh, Barnes strikes out Gio Rochella, two outs. Now with a runner on second, they choose to intentionally walk uh, Gary Sanchez, who had the RBI double or the two RBI double in the first and had another hit tonight. So they choose to walk him, and that brings up Rufnet Odor, who, <sighs> all right, so he works the count to three and two, 
and Matt Barnes. Oh, so so actually during the set bat, Glaber Torres steals third base. Uh, so then it was first and third, and Odor was pinch hitting for Chris Kittens. Works to count to three and two. Matt Barnes throws a pitch on the outside corner, and according to Ump Auditor on Twitter, was four point five five inches off the plate. Home plate umpire. Gabe Morales calls it strike three. Uh, the Yankees go from having the game-winning run on third base and two outs to extra innings where uh, Luis Sessa blows the game. That's it. That's simple. Also, Yankees um, now still haven't won a game where an opposing team scores five or more runs. Only team in the league to have not done that, and I'm going to say it every single time until we do it because it's embarrassing. I would would like to make a few comments on just exposing flaws into overall the philosophy philosophy and issues of this team right now, if you don't mind, Brandon. First off, in terms of team left on base, it was 12 to 5. Oh, we're the absolute kings of left on base where the Kings of double play. I mean, we, we pretty much go through this every day. It's, it's the exact same thing. We can't oh, we yeah, there no were... situational hitting. We're built for one thing and we're not doing that one thing, which is hit home runs. And we're not doing it. That's why we're not winning. It's that simple. Yeah. It was it's two double... that simple. It was two double plays today. And they were um... both crucial. Yeah. So it was really, it was a matter of, here's my issue with them and it really comes down to I guess today it's a matter of out being outmanaged Boone, Boone was flat out outmanaged in this game by Cora when it came down to the end however part of it is also I understand and acknowledge how little um influence he may or may not have in okay but can I make one point real quick I'm not sure Boone was outmanaged. It was just Boone. Boone's bullpen didn't pitch well. No, I'm about to cite in a flat spot of something that is overall management, management as a whole, in part in them, in part the front office, and that is the story of this tenth inning. Let's go through this largely here. Of course, you had a whole bunch of ejections and things in the top half of the inning. There's so much to talk about it with this game. I I can't believe the amount of different storylines that like in, we didn't even hear any broadcasts like of this game. So we have no idea what they were talking about. This is just all stuff we. Well, they probably weren't talking about anything that had to do with the game. Let's be real here. But um, anyway, yeah. So you've got basically what, what, Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. 
Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Is to me the difference in this. You have Bobby Dahlbeck walking with the Christian Vasquez being the first runner on. The next play, you've got Christian Arroyo up to bat. He lays down a sacrifice bunt. The man goes to first for the first out, which, I mean, it was, it was the smart play. I don't think he was going to get Vasquez at third. I thought we had a chance to sit third. I heard people behind me saying third. I was thinking third, but he just had his back turned to the play. So he Yeah, had... it, would, it, it would have been a tough play to turn around and I'm get fine. That. I'm fine with one. Like, I'm fine yeah. with, with going there. I mean, it was a good sack bunch, which is something the Yankees can't do, which you're going to It was, do. exactly, which is, my, which is my, the point I'm getting to here, because with that, you have Alex Verdugo, who grounds out to the second baseman, and then Christian Vaz, or Christian Vazquez, Xander Bogarts, excuse me, I'm a little tired tonight. Xander Bogarts hits that line drive single, which scores two runs. Then we go over into the bottom of the inning, Clint Frazier gets hit on a, hit by a pitch. So you now have who was on first? Ruffin Odor and Clint we Frazier. Talk about how people behind us were saying throw him out to to Phillips Valdez after he hit Clint Frazier. Yeah, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm throw him out. Let's throw him out. Like, dude, are you paying attention? It's the tenth inning in a tie in a two-run game with a runner on second. Yes, he's gonna intentionally hit the guy to bring up the winning run to the plate. Yep. Yep. It's not Major League Two. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then from there, so you've got runners on first and second. Miguel and Duhar steps up to the plate. And rather than sacrifice bunting in the exact same way that the Red Sox just did, Miguel and Duhar plays it straight up and ends up grounding into a double play in extra innings. Tyler Wade hits a single, but there's only one man on base to be scored, and they lose 6-5. If I'm, – I'm sorry, but even if I know you might not have the best bunting players, you might not have the best small ball players, first off, there's no reason that a team, which this team has not proven to me, this team has not shown me, that they can handle fundamental baseball. Like, if no, I asked – if I gave them a runner on – we can't field, we can't base run, and we can't bunt. If if I gave you a runner on second base and told them the literally the most traditional way to score a runner from second base, like the easiest way, just do a sack bunt and a sack fly. If I just asked for that, that's all I asked for the, from, from them, how often do you think they could execute it? Like, give me a percentage out of, like, 10. I, I honestly don't know, and I'm sure that there's a stat somewhere that shows whether or not we've been able to execute it. Honestly, we don't, We probably – I cannot remember the last time we had a sack bunt. Maybe Tyler Wade, but he, our thing with him is, like, he can't hit the ball out of the infield, so he just goes for, like, slap bunt hits, but sometimes there's also runners on, so it looks like a sacrifice, but he beats it out, so – He's the only guy who is like a little bit crafty with the bat. Same with Gardner. But remember, we pinch hit him for Stanton. And then that was his spot up in the order. 
Gardner's spot was the last spot of the game or was the second to last spot of the game when Tyler Wade got this got the hit. I mean, do we rather take Gardner there? He walked twice tonight. I don't know. Pinch hitting Stanton uh, no, is weird you because don't... if you're not going to hit – if Stan is a DH only and he already had a game off in this series and we have a day off tomorrow, why is he pinch hitting only? You're the DH. It's Is standing up there four times that much worse than standing up there once? Because tonight all he did was grab a bat, walk up there, Swing and miss and strike out. Walk back to the dugout. And then he has an off day tomorrow. You know, you're not wrong. However, first off, I, I will say, if you're going to sit him or not, that's a, that's another question here. If you're going to sit him, I think he did everything but actually execute the field to do what you wanted out of him. Like, when he went in, he, when he went out there in the eighth or whatever it was, they pinch it for him. They they had him come in and pinch it. I think it was the eighth inning. Uh, he, the eighth, yes. Yeah, when he came in and pinched it in the eighth, it turned from a high leverage situation to, oh shit, this could turn. You you looked very nervous when you saw. I it did not like it. You know, okay. he has. And I was like not nervous. I just for whatever reason just had a feeling that it yeah. would. He hasn't performed to the MVP caliber Giancarlo Stanton of old. However, this guy was still one of the most feared hitters for a good stretch of the 2010s. Honestly, still is. Like, he hits the ball harder than every other player in the league. Like, yeah, like, exactly. So, like, it was the right move to bring him in. But what it comes down to is here, if I'm Aaron Boone, even if this guy isn't a great bunter, why am I not trying? Not with Stan. Not no, 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 with Andujar. Oh, with Andujar, yeah. Why on earth? Like, is 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 his skill with the bat? Is his? I don't even know what his average. What is it? What is his OPS right now? Uh, five eighty eight. He's hitting two thirty five. Is his five eighty eight OPS good enough to justify not getting those runners out of the force out? Because that ultimately cost him the game. Even if they just tried, even if you tried and failed miserably and you ended up with runners on first and second, still, that's probably still one run. But, yeah, but we were down two. So it it's a, but it, but it's a much like, like that Tyler Wade signals probably only scores one on that, but it's a much more valiant effort by at least trying to get these guys into scoring position. Down like, two, exactly. though, is, is, no, but, is really tough. No, but Brandon, like, I would not have been happy if we bunted. If down two runs, LJ, if you give you guys a run just to move one runner over to third or two, all right, so to make it second and third with one out. Brandon, it, it, is, it is definitive in my eyes. First off, you don't end up with the double play. You still end up with, you end up with two runners on, which is much better than one runner on. Second, that guy scores one out. It would have been behind the second base runner. He's running all the way. Like that's a hundred percent green light. If that single went into center field with runners on second and third, it's a tie ball game. We're going to the 11th. Yeah. It's definitive. So at the end of the day, even if your team philosophy, the team philosophy to not have those small ball, caliber like 
skills is dumb. However, to not even just try to see if they're slightly there, like if you can get something out of it, is a terrible management decision by Boone. And when it comes down to it, you say, yes, this team is built for the home run. However, runs don't come that easy in the postseason. You're going to have to get them any way you can. I think actually the extra innings right now are a good practice for if you get a runner on and you got to figure out how to get them to score, you got to do what you have to do. And if this team isn't capable of a wide effect of different things that they can do at the plate, then are they ever actually a contender? And this isn't something where you can like figure that out as you go along. This team needs to be a contender right now. Well, let's talk about one last thing uh, because it is the title of this episode. Uh, Alex Verdugo. So we're sitting out there in left field the whole night and Andujar had the personality of nothing. Would never even throw the ball close to uh, the yeah. section. Yeah, he missed. He 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 missed the stands a couple times. Yeah, no, he wasn't even getting it over the wall. But LJ, I mean, I'll let you take away at what we saw from Alex Verdugo, but he was jawing with the fans pretty much nonstop the entire night during the middle of pitches. Like he was talking to the fans a lot. It was so awesome, you know. I genuinely love it because at Fenway, because of the monster, you don't really get to see that when he plays left, which he's been playing a lot of with Renfro being there now. I mean, I'm trying to think of times I've been in an area where I would have been with an earshot of Verdugo. The only time would have been that Tampa game where the outfield alignment was Verdugo on left, Kike in center, and – or no, it was Cordero. Where was Verdugo? Did he even play that game? Anyway, no, either way, he was not in right field. So I didn't get a chance to be in that kind of sphere. However, you know, all of the clips and like funny reels of him interacting with people in the stands. It's not just like an every once in a while thing, which I didn't entirely realize. This guy is carrying on like long term conversation with the guys in the stands through this entire game, like they, they, they were jeering and they were chirping at him and he was firing right back up until about the eighth inning. Well, I think a lot of it had to do with him hitting the home run in the first inning. Like that definitely. Brandon, trust, but yeah, I mean, that, that spark, that's probably sparked the, the Yankees fans a lot more than Verdugo. Oh yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. Like that's why the if, Yankees fans were yeah. on him so much because he just hit a home run. Even if he was like, even if he'd done nothing of like impact in the game, he a hundred percent still would respond to them in that way because he, it, it just, it goes into more of like, that's fun for a baseball fan. Like you just see a guy who's out there having a good time. He's gonna, he's gonna wrestle it up with the rival as much as you guys are. I mean, I just, I can't see a bad thing about it. Maybe it just reminds me too much of me at the uh, ballpark, though. I mean, Brandon can attest to how easily I can get distracted today. There were at least, what would you say, three points in time during this game where I completely forgot where I was and I was distracted. And all of a sudden, they'd put together like a chant 
and it would be like one of those like the clap 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 things and i'd start doing it and then i'd realize what they'd said before and then i'd stop because i just wasn't paying attention like i swear obviously like perhaps me and alex verdugo need to be tested for like adhd because i mean uh, obviously obviously there's like we're, we're having we're both having a little bit of a hard time staying fully focused on the game yeah uh also um i need to see alex verdugo play first base at some point in his life oh yeah. Can you mention the gems you have from mic'd up Alex Verdugo at first base, just talking to every single runner that came by? That would be really good. Uh, but yeah, uh, LJ was those some of those chants where it's like, let's go Yankees, and then you would hit your glove. Like you would tap, dun, dun, dun. and I was like, oh yeah, keep, keep cheering for us. Okay. But no, uh, just overall on the night, yeah, sucks to see the Yankees lose, uh, but really fun game to be at. I mean, this was, in my opinion, probably one of the better games of the entire season in the MLB, and that's probably very biased, but it was great baseball. There was a lot of hits. There was a lot of high high leverage situations in this one. There was a controversial call. There was, you know, a home run that landed two seats away from us. Sunday night baseball. Yankees, Red Sox. Like, are you kidding me? It was everything that Sunday night baseball could have asked for and more, which is great for the game. I mean, this is this is exactly what you dream of when you have a Red Sox Yankees game. I'm just so happy that we got to see it in person. But uh, let's breeze through these recaps here, and then we can uh, get out of here so LJ and I don't go to bed at six in the morning. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Next up, we have an absolute shellacking put on the Cleveland Indians by the Baltimore Orioles. Spoiler alert here. And the vast majority of it comes here in the top or bottom of the second. After a Cedric Mullins home run in the first, the Baltimore Orioles managed to score six runs in the second off of Cleveland. And then again, they add five more in the fourth on en route to a 18 to 5 win. I mean, you know, this is one of those games where it's like you kind of have to look at the box score rather than any form of play by play if you're going to have any hope of figuring out the incredible days. But Cedric Mullen had an absolute day here. Uh, two for, or th- I'm sorry, three for four with two walks, two RBIs. Um, Anthony Santander, he went three for five with three RBIs. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle, three for five, two RBIs. Everybody but a pinch hitter had, and Trey Mancini had an RBI today. And everybody but that pinch hitter had a hit for them. Give the win to Jorge Lopez. He went five innings, allowing three earned runs. The loss will go to Cal Quantrill. He went an inning and a third, allowing five earned runs. In one home run. Yeah, props to the Indians for not opting to use a position player. You know, like I know that Tony Larusa was using Yerman Mercedes in like a five-run game or something earlier in the year. LJ, wasn't that the game you were at? Yeah, it was. It was like a four-run game. And he was and just like, yeah, just just throwing a position player. And meanwhile, he threw two position players in. It was the seventh and eighth innings of this game. 
ridiculous. But yeah, uh, Indians, uh, Cedric Mullins just raped the entire series. <laughs> This uh, this entire weekend, uh, if you were at the if you went to an Indians game, you saw Cedric Mullins go off. On to the next game, which was also a bit of a shellacking, one might say, the Phillies and the Nationals. Nationals get on the board uh, first, scoring three runs across the third and fourth inning. They get a single from Juan Soto, and then a Victor Robles double. Uh, and then Victor Robles steals third, throwing error, goes into the outfield, and he scores. So it's 3-0 Washington after the top of the fourth. Uh, this is where it all goes downhill for the Nationals. As in the bottom of the fourth, the, the Phillies, LJ, here's how they scored seven runs. They had one hit, two singles, one got out of the infield, two walks. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. A fielder's choice and a strikeout wild pitch with two outs. There was two outs and he struck the batter out, but it got away from the catcher and a run scored. And then they allowed an RBI and then they allowed the RBI single to the outfield to end the inning, basically. Now, do you think this is a product of overframing? But like, I feel like we're seeing a lot more drop third strikes go a little I, too I think far. it's just because all the pitches are in the dirt now. They're just starting at the strike zone and just breaking into the dirt. I mean, so it's yeah, but like there were pitches, like if you, I'm sure if you look at by percentage, it just feels like there's a lot of wild pitches that are really getting away from these catchers. Like the blocking is not what it used to be. Yeah. Uh... And, and part and part of that is because teams are so offensively oriented these days that they're a little less concerned about their catcher and their defensive abilities. If they can get something that's going to be slightly better there, but also framing is just like such an obsession now that you're going to compromise people are willing to compromise their position like the way that they're playing the game in favor of better framing i mean that's what i've noticed with the uh who who is that does it like the gary sanchez there's a couple other guys that do the one knee yeah like you can frame it pretty good like you've got a lot of control over like that part but you can't get to you can't get to half as many balls in the dirt as you used to no not at all. And uh, 
certainly one day we'll go much more in depth into catcher framing exactly how it works and all the baseball savant stuff i think we did that earlier in the year but we can go back to that at some point but as for the rest of this recap so the phillies take a 7-3 lead after the fourth in the fifth they scored two runs on a brad miller homer the nationals then put up three in the top of the sixth thanks to uh, a Trey Turner single and Juan Soto triple. So it's uh, nine to six, the, the Phillies leading. Bottom of the sixth inning now, a lot of sixes here, but JT Real Muto goes yard uh, to give the Phillies a 12 to six lead. His 100th career one, uh, home run, and <clears throat> the Phillies get the win. You can give that to Sam Coonrod, one in the third innings in relief today. Vince Velasquez, four innings, four hits, three and four Ks. The loss goes to Kyle Finnegan out of the Nationals bullpen. Austin Voth got the start. He went two innings, two strikeouts. He was the opener. Moving into the Astros and the Blue Jays, finally a little bit of a closer game. Jose Altuve and Chaz McCormick go, go yard in the first and second to make this a 2-0 game. The Astros would score uh, three of the next four runs in this game, which extends well into the top of the eighth with an RBI single by Yuli Gurriel. And Houston leads 6-1 going into the bottom of the eighth. Teoscar Hernandez drives in one, and Randall Gretchik drives in Boba Shett in order to cut this deficit to six to three and make it a save situation, but they still will ultimately fall in that, that six to three score into Houston. Give the win to Garcia for Houston. He went six innings, allowing one earned run and eight strikeouts. The loss goes to Steven Matz. He went four and a third, allowing four earned and three strikeouts. The save goes to Ryan Presley, his ninth on the year. Under the Marlins and the Pirates. Scoring got opened up in the bottom of the first with a Colin Moran double. Top two, Jesus Aguilar ties it up with his second home run in as many days, and it's a 1-1 game after the second. We jumped at the top of the sixth. Corey Dickerson is able to reach on a fielder's choice. Uh, then there's an error by Adam Frazier that allows a run to score. 2-1 Miami. And then Jesus Aguilar uh, hits a sack fly to make it 3-1. The, the Marlins bullpen holds on. And they go on to win this one 3-1. The win to Sandy Alcantara. I shouldn't say a bullpen. As he went eight innings, six hits, no earned. Six strikeouts for him. Very impressive start. Chad Cool takes the loss. Six innings, three hits, uh, two earned, two strikeouts. Yimmy Garcia with his 10th save on the year pitches a clean ninth. So Alcantara and Yimmy Garcia combined to uh, hold the Pirates to one run. Very good outing from Alcantara. Next up is the Twins and the Royals. Top of the third, and Miguel Sano sends an RBI double into left field to make it one nothing. That left same left fielder, Andrew Benintendi, will drive in 
Whit Merrifield on an RBI single in the bottom of the fourth to tie things up. But then the top of the fifth, Trevor Larnick is hit by a pitch with the bases loaded, and Kansas City will end up losing this one after a disastrous slip up in the fifth at a score of two to one. Give the win to Farrell for in favor of Minnesota. He went an inning out of the bullpen. Luke Farrell in relief of Oberg. He went four innings long, one earned run and four strikeouts. The loss will be given to Brady Singer. He went five and two thirds, allowing two earned runs and seven strikeouts. The save goes to Taylor Rogers, his fifth. All right, on to the Athletics and the Rockies. Scoring got opened up in the bottom of the third with a Rymel Tapia RBI single, makes it 1-0 Colorado. They extend that lead in the bottom of the fourth with, the of the fourth with a Brendan Rodgers sack fly, so 2-0 Colorado. Top six, Sean Murphy puts Oakland on the board with a double, so 2-1. Uh, but that's all Oakland's going to get. Dom, Dom Nunez with a sack fly in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, make it three to one Colorado, and that's your final score. Herman Marquez gets the win for Colorado. Now four and five on the year. Six innings, four hits, one earned, six strikeouts. Nice start from him. The loss to James Caprillion, now two and one on the year. He also had a pretty impressive start. Five innings, five hits, two earned, six strikeouts. The save goes to uh, Daniel Bard, gets a six-out save, and that's his seventh save on the year. Next, we have the White Sox and the Tigers, and scoring would only come once in this oh, game. Uh, bottom- you skipped over Dodgers-Braves. Ooh. Which, oh, okay, so you did Twins-Royals. I was supposed to do A's-Rockies right after Mama's Pirates. Okay, so I'll just take uh, Dodgers, Braves, and then you can do Tigers, White Sox. Okay. So that way we don't go I'm out of range. I'm so ready for that, though. What's that? I'm so ready for that. <laughs> well, I will go quick. Just let me keep going. You want to just take it? No, the momentum's all gone now. You can go ahead. All right. Uh, Braves and Dodgers. Uh, the, the Braves score two in the second and third. Uh, they get an Abraham Almonte double and Ozzy Albies, both RBI doubles, take a 2-0 lead after three innings. Albert Pujols with an RBI single for the Dodgers, the top of the fourth to bring them within one run. But then Ender Inciarte is able to collect an RBI single and a sacrifice fly later in the game to give Atlanta a 4-1 lead. Pujols goes yard of the ninth, but the Braves win this one four to two. The win to Max Freed, his third on the year, six innings, six hits, one earned, four strikeouts. Trevor Bauer takes the loss, now six and four on the year, six innings, six hits, three earned, seven Ks, four walks. Something interesting to note about Trevor Bauer, of course, we know that the MLB has been uh, at least attempting to crack down on foreign substance use on the baseball. Trevor Bauer, a guy who we all know uses it. I mean, he came out in 2014 and said what everyone uses, how they use it. And 
his spin rates today were down significantly compared to what he's been doing in other starts this season. So clearly he had been using something this year, is not using it now. Spin rates go down uh, and his quality of start goes down. Four walks for him is certainly out of the ordinary. So maybe he doesn't have as much grip on his pitches, not as much control. I don't know what it is, but something. Well, again, do we really need less control? I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't want to see anyone get hurt is the first thing. But also, the walk is not a very, like, like when it's a well-done, done like, at bat and you're able to draw a walk, on, I mean, it's like a challenge to draw a walk. Yeah, that's great. However, on the whole, the walk itself is not a very exciting play in baseball. So, in part, part of banning or cracking down on banned substances is – you're going to increase one of the more boring plays in baseball. So, but you're also hopefully increasing the much more exciting plays in the game. And you're, you're getting also, rid of a less, so you're getting rid of a less exciting play and a strikeout, and you're getting more batted balls, which, as long as they're putting the ball in play, I mean, like, I feel like that's what matters. Yes, but is the ball getting put in play off their head? That's the issue that I worry about more than anything and that's the issue that some of the players worry about more than anything i wouldn't be surprised if allowing some of these substances ended up coming into negotiations next next winter i mean you heard it here i no i think there's going to be like something that pitchers are allowed to use it's just not stuff that increases your spin rate but stuff that you can get a grip on the ball absolutely i mean they they already give you rosin and you can already mix that with sunscreen, and that's completely legal. You can do that. They, they can't say anything about it if you have sunscreen on your arm during a hot day and you're using rosin that they already give you on the mound. That's basically what a lot of pitchers use for grip. It doesn't increase spin rate that much. You, you mean rosin that due to the COVID regulations they have to bring out themselves? No way they still do thing. that, right? What? There's no way that they still do it this year or even this That was year. a rule this year, not last – as much as more than last year. Wow. I mean, either way, it's just – either way, even last year it was ridiculous. Like, the majority of pitchers don't actually use that rosin. No. All right. Is now White Sox Tigers or do we have – No, one? feel free. Okay, I'm a little scared you're going to stop me now. No, no, you're all good this time. I'll try not to stop you. But if I get if I, if I I get a thought in my head, I might have to. But there was uh, – that's a little threatening here. Um, there was only one scoring half inning here in this game between the White Sox and the Tigers, and that was the bottom of the second. Andrew Vaughn hit an RBI single, which scored Adam Eaton, and then Tim Anderson scored Nick Madrigal in that same inning to give the Chicago a 3-0 lead and eventually a 3-0 win on a dominating day for Dylan Cease here. Dylan Cease, of course, will get the win. He went seven innings of shutout ball with 10 strikeouts. The loss will go to Jose Urania. He went five innings, allowing three earned runs. And the save goes to Liam Hendricks, his 15th on the year. I will be talking about Dylan Cease on the PPP, a little bit of a spoiler there. The next game is the, the Brewers and the Diamondbacks. 
This one was scoreless until the bottom of the fifth when Daniel Robertson goes yard solo shot to give the Brew Crew a one nothing lead. Next inning, bottom six, Tyrone Taylor with his own solo shot. 2-0 lead for the Brewers. And that's all she wrote in this one. Uh, they win 2-0. They hand the Diamondbacks their 17th straight loss on the road, which ties their franchise record and broke their franchise record, one of those. Uh, and big story was Corbin Burns today. And I'm going to be talking about him on the PPP. Honestly, I'll just, I'll just get it out of the way now because LJ now – He's only three and four with the win. He had a losing record. He was two and four heading into today. And now he's three and four. Seven innings, four hits, no earned, no walks, 13 strikeouts, season ERA down to 1.97. Just insane. And we talk about, I feel like it's actually every day we talk about these, these Brewers pitchers, but. It, 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 it's unreal what they do start after start. It's literally every day they're throwing gems every day. It's, um, it seems a little weird to say, but for Corbin Burns breaking that streak of strikeouts without a walk, best thing that could happen for him. Because you could tell down that stretch like after the injury before, even actually right, right before the injury, he was getting hit up. Like, even though he wasn't getting walks, he was allowing hits. And part of that had to be the overall mental toll of having that, that streak. Even if you deny that you're doing it, even if you try your best not to think about it, it's still going to be in the back of your mind that, hey, if I throw, if I, if I walk this guy, it's all over. Like, so... I'm sure he's much looser now that he doesn't have to worry about that. He can go strike out as many batters as he was before. Just he doesn't have to worry and play it, play it safe. So that's why I'm not surprised. You know, I wasn't sure how to take him before earlier in the year because like the strikeout numbers are sick. However, if you've got like a two, seven, five ERA, which like April, he was up in the two high twos, early high twos or threes at one point. Like, I'm not sure how much I can fully respect you as, like, an elite pitcher if you're going to be that far away from the, the rest of the top competition, even if your strikeout numbers are insane. Like, I mean, it's the same thing that I've got, got to wonder about with Shane Bieber right now is, like, is he a legitimate Cy Young candidate? Honestly, I still say yes. However, if you were to look at production right now and project it out, like, I can't say – I can't comfortably say right now that he should be in the running if you continue on this season, if he's going to be that far removed at this point in the game from the top pitchers. Like, he's not that far off. I believe – what is he – he's low threes now. So, his ERA is at 3.08. Uh, but I think if you're going to be in the Cy Young talks – you have to have, at this point in the year, more than one start with no earned runs. He's only had one. Like, he leads the league in strikeouts by, like, 12, but he's only had one start with no earned runs. Yeah, but, I mean, if, if you've got a lot, a lot with one earned run, that, I mean, is going to end up eventually making Let's up. See, hold on. Let me see how many he has with one, because I honestly don't think it's that many, LJ. It's 
Well, you can only get to a th- – he had a couple starts that weren't good. He's had run. two total starts with zero or one earned run. Okay. Never mind. But, yeah, I mean, overall, like, I think talent-wise, you have to agree, he certainly is capable of being in this conversation. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. If I was talking about the 10 best pitchers in the American League, which we will talk about eventually at some point, He's 100% on that list. He's However, top five. Like, he's top yeah. five. He's probably top. He, he's he got a case for top five in the league, even if, if if his numbers were better. Like, if his numbers, if he was a mid-twos player right now, I look at him in a completely different light than I do as a, three, a threes player. Let's move into the Rays and the Rangers here. A game that didn't go too well for me today i'm not gonna lie no, scoring got started in favor of the rangers in the first inning as nate lau grounds into a double play but one run is able to score then in the top of the eighth things get moving in favor of tampa as yandy diaz gets walked in and then a taylor walls double brings in two more making this three one tampa austin meadows would drive in two more runs in the top of the ninth. And then Yandy Diaz would send his first home run out of the ballpark to left center, making this a 7-1 ball game. Your final will be, of course, 7-1 Rangers. Give the win to J.P. Fireisen. He went one and a third in relief. He's now 2-2 two and two on the year. Um, as with many of these games for Tampa, it was pretty much a bullpen game with Michael Waka taking the brunt of the innings here at two and two thirds with one earned run. The loss will be given to John King out of the bullpen and Dane Dunning started this one for Texas going five innings of shutout ball with six strikeouts. All right, on to the Reds and the Cardinals. This one featured a big story today and that story is Jesse Winker continues his extravagant, I don't even know what word to use, just insane season so far. Goes deep in the top of the first two-run home run, steps up in the top of the second, goes yard again, this time a three-run home run. Reds lead 5 nothing at this point, all five RBIs thanks to him. Top three, the Reds pile on some more. Eugenio Suarez, two RBI double, it's seven nothing. In the bottom of the sixth, though, the Reds give up seven runs and allow the Cardinals to tie the game. Tyler O'Neill goes yard, two run bomb. Matt Carpenter scores two runs on an RB on a two RBI double. Tommy Edmond scores one on an RBI single, and then Nolan Arenado drives in two on a single, and we are tied after six innings until the top of the ninth where Jesse Winker steps up and hits his third home run of the day, the second time this season he's hit three home runs in a game, and that gives the Reds a 8-7 lead, which Lucas Sims comes in to close out, and they walk away with a win. Jesse Winker, three for four, six RBIs, three home runs on the day, improves his batting average to 350, OPS to 1.077, seven, seven, 
second to only Vladdy Jr. Extraordinary day, and what what a Nolan Arenado did today is also going to be overshadowed, but he was four for four with two RBIs as well. So just really big offensive production, and LJ, you know, I think the biggest thing is when you realize who, who Winker hit this home run off of in the ninth, he hit it off of Alex Reyes, who has been one of the best closers in the entire league this year. If not, he's been top four right up there with Barnes, Chapman, Hader. Yeah, I'd say Barnes, Chapman, Melanson, Hader, five, yeah. Hendricks, Reyes. Yeah, that's fair. And then Tampa. <laughs> Insert Tampa pitcher here. But, yeah, I mean, he has been great. You know, it's not easy to get these hits off of the best guys because even if they're a division rival, you're only going to see that closer a number of times. You're not going to see him even every time that he comes in the game against your team. Yeah. So anytime you can get a, get a good chunk of hitting out of a closer, it should be something that's celebrated by you at least even if you like if you lose the game at least you should know that you did that that should be some point of pride but are we good to move into mariners angels yeah sure i think we're good to run through the rest here and then and then ppp and then we can do the the leaderboards and everything tomorrow we we gotta go to bed all right we've got um mariners angels of course with crooked numbers coming up in the ninth inning kyle two rbis by kyle seager and a doll Donovan Walton home run for Seattle, as well as a Justin Upton home run, his 13th of the year for Los Angeles. Made this a 3-1 game early, and by the end of the eighth inning, it was a 4-2 Seattle lead. In the top of the ninth, Seattle manages to put up five. The Angels try to match this with four, including doubles by Justin Upton and Tony Rendon. But ultimately, they will fall 9-4 to to the Mariners, give the win to Logan Gilbert, his first win of his career. He went five innings, allowing a one-earned run and seven strikeouts. The loss goes to Patrick Sandoval. He went six innings, allowing three earned runs and ten strikeouts against the Seattle team. And, yeah, that about does it. Yeah. Logan Gilbert, hopefully. First win of hopefully many. Yes. For Seattle, who LJ, I think me and you are both like very, very kind of secretly, we're not one, well not secretly, but just very low key, like hoping that that their a rebuild pans out. Um, honestly, you know, I really that, want to see it. I, I, I don't low key want to see it. I really want to see it work out. I would be interested to see it work out. However, I also think it would be just as amusing to see. Jared Kleenex's batting average continue to plummet. He's down to, to 0 9 6 with an oh. 0 for 1 day. Or no, 0 for 0. For 0. He entered as a defensive oh, replacement. Yeah, yeah. Defensive replacement. He's not even good enough to get at bats. No. No. He's so player, it took me a while to figure out there. Jeez. Um, but yeah, so I mean. You know, it's kind of just it's it's I don't know why, but it's amusing to me. I mean, I hope he ends up having a great major league career, and this is just something we laugh about his first year being so atrocious to the start. But 
I mean, also, like, if this is supposed to be the centerpiece of what you've got here and he doesn't pan out, then that could really set a bad tone for the rest of you going forward. All right, on to the Cubs and the Giants. Bottom one, Lamonte Wade with a solo home run and then a Donovan Solano single. It's 2 nothing Giants early until the top of the second. Patrick Wisdom, very, very smart man he is. Sixth home run of the year uh, to pull the Cubs within one. Buster Posey then responds with an RBI double, make it 3-1 San Francisco. Top four, Wisdom steps up and says, I am better than you, Buster Posey. Second home run of the day. Then Wisdom realized that wasn't a very uh, wise comment, but it's a tie game otherwise. 3-3 after four innings, Wisdom with his second homer. Top five, Javier Baez uh, hits into a fielder's choice. Kyle Hendricks scores. Uh, there was a error by, by Buster Posey. He dropped the ball that allowed the run to score. And that's your final. So, LJ, just like we saw in the Twins-Royals game, a unforced error is what ends up ultimately deciding the game. In that Twins-Royals game, it was a hit-by-pitch with the bases loaded. This one, a dropped ball by Buster Posey, and the Giants lose 4-3 to three to the Cubs. Kyle Hendricks, 6 and a third, 3 earned 5 Ks. Johnny Cueto, 4 and a third, 3 earned 4 Ks. Craig Kimball, 14th save on the year. I'll take, actually, I'll take him over Alex Reyes, too. Yeah, I'll take him, too. I don't know. There's There's been a lot of good guys who are still looking really good. But... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just I find I find those amusing too. Maybe I'm a little bit evil, but I find some of those losses amusing too when they're not my team. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But again, and just, and, and and when it's your team that gets the win, it's it's even better. Yeah, and then to clear some stuff up here, do we want to just go through the Bingo Bango Yahtzee watch real quick? Oh yeah, do you do you have? Off the top of your head, the few guys. Uh yeah, really. There's actually the two, unless oh, did Aguilar go deep last night? He did. So it's okay, Aguilar, so Winker. So you've got, you've got Aguilar and Patrick Wisdom, here, who very intelligently tried, of course, to get a head start on the home run hitting for tomorrow, like he would a, a smart student would with his homework. But that's not really how the Bingo Bango Yahtzee works. He's got to put one more out in his next game for this to count. Uh, Jesus Aguilar is also on day two of Bingo Bango Yahtzee. And Jesse Winker here with three home runs. A Bingo Bango Yahtzee Supreme today. Is he going for a Bingo Bango Yahtzee tomorrow? Yes, he is. I, so, wait, actually, hold on. Let me, let me check that. Did he hit a home run on Friday? I feel like no, okay, he is not. He's not. He is a third of the way to a bingo bingo Yahtzee. But he did, but he did hit the Supreme tonight. So that's what yes, he still has the bingo bingo Yahtzee Supreme from tonight. Three home runs in a game. He's now a third of the way to a bingo bingo Yahtzee. All right, let's wrap this up. Mets and Padres. Billy McKinney drives in the first front of the game for the Mets on an RBI single. Dom Smith follows him with a 
home run in the top of the fourth, and then Pete Alonso in the top of the sixth with an RBI single. It's 3 nothing Mets. Bottom six, Eric Hosmer uh, is able to drive in a run for the Padres by grounding out. Top seven, LJ. The Mets choose to leave Marcus Stroman in to hit. Pitchers who rake double on a line drive to left field scores. Jorge Peraza. The Mets extend the lead to four to one. James McCann makes it six to one. The Mets end up winning six to two. They split their series with the Padres. A very favorable result for the Mets traveling to San Diego. And they are able to get a split. And uh, yeah, they'll head back to the East Coast now. But Mets win 6-2. Marcus Stroman, six and two-thirds, no earned, seven strikeouts. Now five and four on the year, lowers the ERA to 2.41. Chris Paddock, now two and five on the year, gets the loss, six innings, three earned, six strikeouts. That is a very bold decision to leave him in with runners on in like a legitimate hyper-competitive game with a yeah, only up three in the top of the seventh. Yeah. Against the Padres. Yeah, against the Padres, a team that will be in competition all year. Like this is a division, this is a division caliber team. This is a playoff caliber team that they're going up against, just like themselves. To leave in your pitcher with runners on, with runners in scoring position nonetheless, takes guts. Maybe a little stupidity. Well, they well they end up sending him out there for two outs and that next half inning, so it worked. Yeah, I mean it worked, but is that are those two outs worth it if he doesn't put those runs in? Well, thank God he did. But all right, under the PPP, uh, my one is just a Dylan Cease. He's had two starts versus the Tigers this year, and those starts, fourteen innings, no runs. One walk to 19 strikeouts. Uh, now, on the flip side of that, the Tigers have won 15 out of their last 25 games. Something I never thought I'd say because the Yankees haven't done that. But, yeah, the Tigers kind of hot lately, but yeah. not when facing Dylan Cease. But. Yankees helped them on their way, you can say at least. Yes, uh, absolutely. But, LJ, do you have any for the PPP? Um, no, but didn't I see that the other day that um, the Nat, the uh, Detroit Tigers ended up with the exact same record that the 2019 Nationals did? I so, showed you that. So yeah. I showed you that today. Yeah, the, the, the Nationals, when they won in 2019, the when they won the World Series, at one point they were 19 and 31. The Tigers at one point this year were 19 and 31. So. Tigers and four. <laughs> Great spot to end the show at five in the morning. But uh, thank you for listening to the 100th episode of the MLB Daily Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed. We will be back tomorrow. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod to stay up with our trivia game, to win some merch later on in the year. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Follow LJ and I on Twitter. You know what it is already. I don't need to say it. Uh, yeah, have a good one, everyone. We'll see you. See you manana.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.